Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning. It's morning, right? How's everybody doing? All right. All right. Kind of threw myself off guard here. All right, y'all. So thought I had a video, but God is good. Um, so we're here for our um, Roman slash Holy Spirit spirit uh, series. Um, anybody be getting anything out of this book of Romans that we've been walking through? Have we y'all still hanging in there with me? All right, so we're in Romans 11 today. Um, I want to talk to you today um, about something that just came across my spirit on this week. Um, this is National Suicide Prevention Month. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, more people commit suicide in the month of September than any month throughout the year. Um, one of the reasons that I believe is that there's something called um, seasonal anxiety depression that as the seasons change as the days get darker as things of that sort now I'm no psychologist I'm just coming up with my own little understanding I'm noticing that um, even in my own personal life um, just a depression seems to hit during this time of the year um, so I want to encourage you guys today just to let you know that um, here at Hope Haven Church we don't do life alone I know a lot of times people say, well, why do I come to church? Um, coming to church is more than just getting the word on Sunday. Coming to church is more than just, you know, doing your faithful duty as a Christian to say, you know, that I went to church. Uh, but Sunday morning church is also about fellowship. Coming together, uh, we're supposed to be a collective family. Uh, we're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. And um, if I had a title, I, I get, yeah, gave the title of the message. The title of this message is You Are Not Alone. I was going to be smart, but I was like, some of y'all too deep, and I was going to put that 1995 Michael Jackson picture up with Lisa Marie. Y'all remember that song? Yeah. R. Kelly wrote that, so I was like, no, we're going to leave that off. Um, <laughs> so uh, You Are Not Alone. I want you guys to look at your neighbor and say, You Are Not Alone. All right, we, we do life together here. You are not alone. Uh, so those of you that have your Bibles, uh, go with me to the book of Romans, the 11th chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to go to another, um, another book of the Bible because Paul is somewhat comparing his life here um, to a prophet in the Old Testament. So we want to look closely at this prophet's life that he's speaking of in Romans 11, okay? When you guys get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. If you still ain't there yet, look up here. <laughs> you guys ready? All right, this is Paul speaking. He says, I asked then. I'm sorry, let me read that right because there's a comma there. I ask then, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh-oh, fantasy about to start. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. <laughs> or don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to take my life. He's reliving Elijah's story. But what was God's reply to him? 
I have 7,000 men for myself who have not bowed down to Baal. In the same way then, there is also at the present time a remnant chosen by grace. I want to talk to you today uh, about you are not alone. Now let's go to 1 Kings 19th chapter. 1 Kings the 19th chapter. You guys there? I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. You guys ready? Y'all ready? All right. It says, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may God, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Get out of your depression. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. Look at God. God ain't giving up on him. He said, get up and eat. Or the journey will be too much for you. I still got something for you to do. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength from the food, he walked, oh Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, <clears throat> but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At the moment the Lord passed by, and a great mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they are looking for me to take my life. You are not alone. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. We talked about uh, two weeks ago, maybe 
yeah, two weeks ago, I believe, in Bible study, how Apostle Paul uh, was grieving. This was last Sunday, actually. Apostle Paul was grieving on how there was a group of Israelites who would never come into the light of the gospel. And if you remember in Romans 9, he says, if I could change places with them, y'all remember this? I would so that they may know Jesus. And we talked about this last week. I said, Paul's a deep brother because I, I, I don't know if I'm going to give up my, my, my time with the Lord for my family. But uh, I, I believe Paul, that Paul was so committed to his, his, his assignment to the gospel that he was willing, if necessary, to give up so that other folks could have this light of the gospel. So now we come to the 11th chapter of Romans. And when we come to the 11th chapter of Romans, Paul has another dilemma. dilemma because uh, they're, are look, they're looking at him now, and they're looking at the massive amount of Jews that still have not come to the light of the gospel. And now they're asking Paul this question, well, are you the only Jew that's And Paul says, absolutely not. Not only am I not one of the last of the Jews that are going to be saved, but there are so many others that have been saved that you just don't know about. Now, you have to remember, Paul is not the only Jew that was saved. Remember, Jesus had 120 people up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost who were Jews, who believed the gospel. But remember, after the church was established, the Christians began to spread out all upon the face of the world, spreading the gospel. And when it spread out like that, sometimes it feels like you're the only person that's standing for God when there's no fellowship. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes it feels like you're on this journey alone. I'm talking to myself. Sometimes doing this thing and walking in this thing called holiness and trying to be Christ-like and trying to be saved, sometimes when you look out amongst the audience, it feels like you're the only Christian in the room. Sometimes you're at work and it seems like I'm the only person that's saved. I'm the only person in this school that seems to love Jesus. Everybody else is confused and everyone else seems to be turning their back on God. And why does it appear that I'm the only one that's still saved? Which is why it's important that we always connect with other believers to encourage us and to let us know that we are not alone. Because if you isolate yourself, you'll find yourself in dark places. And one thing that the enemy wants to do is he wants you to isolate yourself because he realizes that if he can isolate you from other believers, he can mess with your faith. Does that make sense? So what happens in a lot of times when we come short? We run. We run away from the church. We run away from the believers. We run away from our families. We run away from our friends. We run away from people that love us. And sometimes, can I be honest? We have good reason to run. Because sometimes I can't be transparent with people without people being judgmental and revealing to me the issue that I already know is there. 
So sometimes out of fear, I run from you because I don't need you judging me. So what the devil tries to do is he tries to pull you away from fellowship with the believers, get you in a place by yourself, put you in darkness, and then mess with your mind. You know you ain't coming out of this. You know you messed up. Child, if everybody knew what you just did, man, I couldn't live with myself if I did what you did. And now all of that is coming across your mind. And the phone's ringing with somebody that loves you, but you won't pick it up. All of that's running across your mind, but now I don't want to go to church because I don't want to look people in the face and I don't want them all in my business. All of that is coming across your mind and I don't want to, I don't want to fellowship with people because everybody just gets on my nerves. And now you're in an idle place where the devil is having complete victory in your life because he wants you to believe that you are all by yourself. And his assignment is to get you to become an unbeliever in what God has said and to possibly end your life. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, we're dealing with probably, other than Moses, one of the most powerful prophets in the whole entire Bible. I'm going to show you how powerful he is. He is so powerful that when Jesus went to the mountain for the transfiguration. Y'all ever read that scripture? What two prophets were there? Moses and Elijah. Jeremiah wasn't there. Isaiah wasn't there. Elisha wasn't there. All those prophets we read about in the Old Testament, there were only two prophets that were there at the Mount of Transfiguration, which means that there was a high level of respect amongst the Jews that Peter, James, and John would understand it when they seen them. But what they didn't understand was the reason why Moses was there and the reason why Elijah was there was for fulfillment. Because God fulfilled the law of Moses and God fulfilled the promises of the prophets. And the Bible says, and when they looked again, all they saw was Jesus. Because Jesus is the fulfiller of the law And Jesus is the fulfiller of the prophet. So Elijah is a bad man. But as we just read in the 19th chapter, Elijah dealt with depression. Elijah dealt with depression so bad that he wanted to take his life because he allowed himself to become isolated. He allowed himself to get in a place where no one could encourage him And he allowed the enemy to get into his mind to where he told God, I wish I was dead because I'm doing this alone. Let's deal with Elijah for just a couple minutes. Y'all got time? First Kings 17th chapter, Israel's chaotic. David is gone. Solomon's gone. The kingdom of Israel is split. You have one part of Israel called Judah. You got another part of Israel called Israel. 
Ten tribes belong to Israel. Two tribes belong to Judah. Judah and Benjamin are together. And then the other ten belong to Israel. And then you got two kings over the two split kingdoms. Ahab is the king over one part of Israel, which was called Israel. And then there's another king who's the king of Judah. We ain't dealing with him now. We're going to deal with Ahab. And Ahab married a woman by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel was a princess of the king of Zidon. Zidon is where we get uh, 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 the Seraphonicians from. They were the people that lived by a body of water. Y'all with me? And when they lived by a body of water, what they did was Jezebel and the kings was they would have women meet the sailors as they came in with imports and they would prostitute their women to men from other places. Y'all with me? So this is a place of prostitution. This is a place of sin. And the king of Israel marries a princess from that land. Woo! So you can imagine the influence that Jezebel now has on Israel. So what happens when you connect with the wrong people. It mess your whole house up. So now Israel is all messed up. People worshiping all types of God. They're worshiping one God in particular whose name is Baal. And he's the sun God. And they believe that when he's happy, the crops will grow. When he's happy, when harvest season comes, it's because of him. So they go from praise Jehovah to praise Baal. We're blessed because of Baal. And God is a jealous God. And he shares his glory with no one. So now God has to get involved and send Israel a lesson. Y'all still with me? So what does he do? He now has to find somebody to be his spokesman. Now, during this time, there was a seminary called the College of the Prophets. These were men who were taught how to prophesy. It was a good school, top-tier school, started by one of the top prophets by the name of Samuel. Y'all remember Samuel? Samuel was the prophet that was a prophet during David's time. When he died, he's, before he died, he started a school called the School of the Prophets, and this school has been going on for generations. This is like the Harvard of prophets. God could have easily went in and said, who is on the top of the dean's list? They would have said, prophet such and such. He said, come with me, I got an assignment for you. But God said, I don't want somebody like that because they can possibly be influenced. Because prophecy doesn't come from man. Prophecy comes from God. So what does God do? God says, I need to find somebody for this particular assignment that can get this job done. And he says, I know what to do. I'm going to find somebody for myself that nobody can say made him but me. When God is in the process, the only testimony you can have is that God did it. And if anybody in here has a real testimony, your testimony is there's nobody that could have did this but God. Anybody got one of those kind of testimonies? If it was not for the Lord on my side, if it was not for God involved in this, this would have never happened. Every once in a while, God has to put you in situations where he has a God moment and says, I just need to let you know that I'm God. Uh -huh. Sometimes you got to throw your education out the window. You got to throw your experience out the window. 
You got to throw everything that you know out of the window and say, God, I trust you. That's when God gets in. And that's when the testimony is it was nobody but God. That's why we got faith in here, God. In here, y'all. Our testimony is it was only God that can save us. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. Only God can save all of us for some of the mess and some of the stuff that he brought us out of. Do I got a witness in here? Look at your neighbor and say, I am a miracle. <laughs> Nobody could have saved me but God. So God says, I need to use somebody. So what does he do? He goes down into a land called Tishbe and Gilead. Gilead means rocky, stony. It's a, a, a nasty, mucky, rocky, docky, locky place. I ain't good with adjectives. And he goes and he finds this rough, tough hood boy. You know what I'm talking about. Grabs him out of this rough, rocky place, somebody with no education, somebody with no experience, and gives him the biggest assignment in all the world. And says, Elijah, I want you to send a message to Ahab and Jezebel and let them know that Baal ain't got nothing on me. Since they think he got something to do, with the star, or with the rain, and with the sun, and with all that, tell them that there will be no rain until you say so, and leave. Elijah walks in to the palace. I can imagine he shook, but he knows what God says. And he walks up to the palace of the king and says, until God says, until I say so. He don't say until God says so. This is 1 Kings 17 chapter. He says, until I say so, there will be no rain or dew. And he walks out. And that day, it started getting hot. And that day, sun started scorching. Now, can you imagine walking up to the king, telling him something like that, and walking out, and you lived? You a bad boy. I can imagine Elijah's walk just changed that moment. You know, that, that, that back leg got stiff, you know, you know. He, he a bad boy. And God says, hold up. I need you to understand that this assignment is not about you. But this assignment is about me. Go to a place called Kareth. Some of y'all say Cherith. Kareth. I read it. <laughs> Go to Kareth. And I will provide for you. Kareth means to be cut down. Because sometimes after God gives you a big assignment, and sometimes God, after God uses you in a large capacity, he has to cut you down just to remind you of who gave you the power. Amen. Amen. We've all had some humble experiences where you was doing all right. And you start feeling yourself a little bit. Okay, I'm talking to myself. Oh, yeah. I'm doing the doggone thing now. And God said, oh, your word. <laughs> you wake up that next morning and everything just is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God said, oh, I thought you had it. Every once in a while, God's got to humble you. And he humbles Elijah to the point where Elijah now comes out. I don't want to get into the whole story. Elijah now comes out, and now he's moved from confidence in himself to complete trust in God. And now God says, now I can use you because now you understand who has all the power of every assignment that I give you. Sometimes we're stuck because we're still stuck on ourselves. 
Sometimes God can't take you to a next phase in your life because you're still in the way. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fix this? Oh, if I just put an extra 20, 30, 40 hours this week, then God says, keep doing that. Till you figure out that it's me alone that's going to bring you out of this situation. And now Elijah finally gets it. Steps out. I'm going to skip in a couple. I'm going to skip a little bit because we got a whole lot here. Finally steps out and God gives him another assignment. He says, tell those prophets of Baal that we want to do a standoff. Because today I want to prove to them who the real God is. And not only do I want to do a standoff, but tell all Israel to stand around so they can see for themselves who the real God is of Israel is. Y'all with me? Go get you a calf and tell them to get one. And the one that the fire that comes from the altar and burns it up is the one that the true living God is on their side. The one, I'm sorry, the one that brings down fire is the one that the true living God is on. So watch this. It's Elijah by himself. And there's 450 other men on this side. So it looks like they have the advantage because there's 450 of them on this side and it's just one guy on this side. So what happens? They put their cow down and they start going into their chants and hymns and hums and all that. It ain't nothing working. Next thing you know, flies start laying all on the cow. Next thing you know, the, the body starts going through all different types of phases where it starts stiffening, rotting up. All types of chemicals and gases are coming out of the cow. Maggots are starting to eat all on the cow. And they, they, they start cutting themselves and bleeding and crying and shouting and dancing and praise breaking and all that. Trying to bring Jesus down. And ain't nothing happening. To the point where Elijah starts mocking them. He's sitting over there like, it's my turn yet. And they, they, they give up and they say, all right, go ahead. He said, do me a favor. Go get me some water. I'm going to show you how bad my God is. Put some water on my sacrifice. Now that ain't enough. Go get some more. Put some water on my sacrifice again. Now that ain't enough. Go get, give me some more. Put some more water on it. The sacrifice is soaking wet. So it looks impossible that water is going to consume this calf. And Elijah just calls on the name of the Lord. And once he calls on the name of the Lord, the fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. And right there, all those people became believers in Jehovah the God. Every once in a while, God has to prove who's head in charge. And now that he has proven, see y'all dirty, I I read your mind. Now that he has proven who's the head brother in charge. Now that he has proven who's in charge, all these people have become believers. Sometimes God is using your situation to make somebody else a believer. And Jezebel now gets angry. Watch this, because now her prophets look worthless. And part of the sacrifice was that if my sacrifice gets consumed, I get to chop y'all heads off. And Elijah that day chopped off 450 prophets' heads 
who were the prophets of Jezebel. Now watch this. Can I go somewhere? Religion is big business. All right, y'all ain't going to tell the truth. Oh, I could work this if I, if I was dirty. I feel somebody in here right now. Is 50 of you right now with $50? Come on. We can do that. Y'all lying. Come on. Y'all know the truth. Religion can be big business. Jezebel wasn't upset because they killed people she really believed in. Jezebel was upset because Elijah messed with her money. Y'all quiet. I'm going to mess with y'all in a minute. You want to mess some churches up? Mess with their money. Don't talk about Jesus. Just mess with their money. And watch an an outpour break out. So Jezebel is now angry. Sends a message to her servants to go tell Elijah, I'm going to kill you. Because you to mess with my money. That's how she looked. She wasn't pretty. I'm going to get you, boy. I got you, son. And what does Elijah do? He runs. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This ain't the same brother that God pulled out of obscurity from the hood and gave him an assignment. This ain't the same guy that God walked into into the palace told the king that it would not rain until he said so and walked out alive. This ain't the same guy that sat at the brook of Cherith and God provided a raven to feed him every single day. This ain't the same God that brought fire out of the sky to consume a calf. This ain't the same guy that went and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and God sustained him. This ain't the same guy that's afraid of a Jezebel, is it? Y'all got to help me. God has proven himself over and over again in your past, and you're afraid of your current moment? Y'all quiet. Every single one of y'all keeps telling me about these testimonies God has done for y'all. But it seems like every time we have a storm, we become fearful. Where's the same confidence you had after he bought you out of the last one? Mm. God has proven himself over and over and over again in Elijah and we still find in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings that he wants to kill himself how can God do so many great big things and you still want to take your life and we see this around the world millionaires who have it all Pastors with mega churches, people with beautiful families and great careers have it all. God has proven who he is and they still take their lives. Something ain't adding up. Most of us say, I just don't understand all that money they had. I just don't understand. I'm sitting here preaching in front of 30 people. I wish I had 3,000 people. I don't Which tells me that it's deeper than the people. It's deeper than the success. It's deeper than the outward appearance. It's deeper than stunting for the gram. It's deeper 
than showing off on Facebook. It's deeper than a thousand likes. It's deeper. There's something going on. And what I find out is sometimes the more successful you are, the more isolated you are. Success sometimes isolates you because you have no one to connect with at your level. And when you're left alone, the devil gets busy. Elijah has just conformed a whole nation back to God and he's depressed. Imagine conforming the whole United States back to back to Jesus and then going into your room saying, I want to kill myself. Y'all with me? Is this too deep? And this is exactly where the devil wants Elijah. He's not running from God. He's running from a woman. And now God wants to know, why are you there? And Elijah does what many of us does. He says, God, I ran because I'm the only person saved on my job. I'm the only person living holy. And it seemed like it ain't worth it. Can I show you something? Elijah was never alone. Jezebel tried to kill prophets before. And there was a man by the name of Obadiah. Y'all read it when you get a chance. First Kings 18. And Obadiah came to Elijah and said, I was the one that hid 400 of the Lord's prophets in a cave before when Jezebel tried to kill them. Which means that there were 400 believers that Elijah knew about. But somehow the devil disconnected him to himself into believing that he was the only one that God was using. And now God has to come to him and say, I need you to understand something. You ain't the only one. I got 7,000 other men. We can get to the women. We can get to the children that have not bowed to Baal. My assignment to you today is I want you guys to understand that you are not alone. God has other believers, not just around here, but God has other believers in your job, in your home, in your schools connected. And your job now is not to do this alone, but to connect with another believer and say, how can we destroy the walls of the devil down? One can chase a thousand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who am I talking to in here? We are not alone. When we come together as believers in this house, when we put our hands together and we connect, when we pray together, the devil gets busy and he recognizes I'm in trouble. Oh, y'all quiet. Who am I talking to in here? When we pray, when we gather like this on a Sunday, the devil can't stand it. What he wants is he wants you alone in a room alone today. He wants you in a dark place. He wants you somewhere wondering whether or not you should be here. And the devil is a liar. 
we must stay connected. If we disconnect, we leave room for the enemy to get in our minds. Find someone you trust. Find someone that you know loves you. Find someone that you know prays. Find someone you know that is plugged into God and connect to them. You ain't got to connect to everybody. I know. I understand. Trust me. You can't tell everybody everything. But there's somebody that loves you. I'll help you. I love you. And if you feel alone, come to me. But don't disconnect yourself from the rest of the world. Don't get in a dark place where no one can call you and help you because you're putting yourself in a place where the enemy wants you to be. So back to Romans 11, Paul has to encourage himself that I am not the only Jew that God has chosen or called, but God has many that he has called, watch this, and he has many that he's still going to call. And I'm here to encourage every single one of you in here that you are not alone. God has other believers. God has other people that are going through things. And if sometimes we just got to share our testimony with somebody we trust, we need to touch and agree. We need to pray. And let me tell you, son, when you connect with the right person, God will do miracles for both of you. I'm finishing here, y'all. I'm going to give you three points and sit down. Point number one. We are not designed, I like that. All right, I actually like that one. All right, Darnell, I like that one. Right. We fight all week, y'all pray for me. They be putting up stop like, I hate it. We are not designed to do this journey alone. I should make everybody hug somebody like that right now, but I ain't gonna do that, yo. Some of y'all be like, see, this is why I isolate myself. <laughs> Every time I come to church, I gotta hug somebody. Number two, if he's done it before, he can do it again. Don't think this current test that you're going through is your last one. You're going to pass. Trust him. And, and I don't know about y'all, but I find myself sometimes freaking out over tests that are so much smaller than ones that I passed before. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where I'm like, oh, I don't know. They got like, hold up. Weren't you sick, sick? That's right. <laughs> Dang, weren't you really hurt, hurt before? Weren't you broke, broke? And you sit here crying over this, and I bought you out of something so much bigger before. If God has bought you out of things bigger, then whatever you're going through right now is nothing. Number three, don't isolate yourself. Get somebody's phone number. Talk to somebody. Inbox somebody. Don't, Don't close the door of your heart and not allow somebody in. And I know we've all been hurt and, and betrayed and all that before, but there's somebody. 
Lord, I wish I had the spirit of Patty LaBelle because I would sing, somebody loves you, babe. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the song right there. Somebody loves you, baby. <laughs> and you know who it is. All right, I'm done, y'all. <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place on today, God. God, uh, this is a tough month for some people, God. This is a tough season, God. But God, we understand now that we are not alone. We understand, God, that you are fighting on our behalf. We understand, God, that there are others that are going through, God, and God, we're going to connect together, God. We're going to pray together. And we're not going to allow ourselves to get in an area or an arena or in a corner where the enemy can bully our minds and bully our hearts. But we understand, God, that if you are for us, what can be against us? God, we thank you right now. Strengthen our hearts. Strengthen our minds. Give us the encouragement and the strength to understand that the victory is already ours. And, Lord, we give you all the praise all the honor, and all the glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go-hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.